Man, listen, do me a favor and just repeat after me and say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renew in me a right mind so that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Um, I want to read a few verses for you. We're going to be studying verses 13 through 18 on today. Uh, and I want you to follow along with me as I read from the New American Standard Bible. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others, Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Verse 15 says, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ. If you're reading from the New Living Translation, it says you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, catch this, blessed are you, Simon Borjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Catch this, verse 18. I also say to you that you are Peter, which in the Greek means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades, or the gates of hell, will not overpower it. For a moment today, if you allow me, I want to talk to you from the subject of, Who am I? You may be seated in this place on today. Who am I? Listen, I was ready to kickstart. Uh, my friend, Pastor Solomon Adair, was here with us this past Sunday. Amen. Amen. We can celebrate that. He must have left some of that Holy Ghost oil in this building. Uh, and, and so uh, he came on last Sunday and stood in for me while I was out. I'm grateful for him uh, doing that. And um, he actually uh, opened up, didn't even expect it to for a series that I was getting ready to start when I came back. My series was dealing with prayer. We're going to start that prayer uh, entitled Let's Pray starting next week. I wanted to release that series uh, this Sunday. And it's amazing that he, he actually laid a foundation and laid a challenge for us to pray um, more. And so I was like, man, wow, God, that's amazing. Let me get back in with my series. It fits perfect. But the Holy Spirit arrested me and says, no, I have something fresh for you. I have something hot for you. And I want to share it with the people on today. And I was like, okay, God, we'll, we'll do what you're asking us to do. And But yet and still, I had it on my heart. And thank God for people that you can reach out to in the midnight hour. I reached out to Brother Larry uh, late last night and needed a shirt for today's message because it, it was unplanned. And he printed me my shirt to go with today's message. I also reached out to Brother Chris uh, and Lauren on last night because I wanted to create these cards that they gave y'all because this is one of the things that God laid on my heart while I was on the trip, while I was on vacation, uh, is when you get back before you kick off your series, ask your people how can you pray for them. And so I wanted you guys to fill out this card at some point during the service today, at the end of the service, but before you leave the building at some time. And I want you to put in there, you don't have to put your name on it or anything, just put what we can pray for. If it's family, put family. If it's finances, put finances. If it's a job, whatever it is, if it's health, just put that thing on there. Because when we start this series, me and my wife are going to be dedicated to reviewing all this, and we're going to be sticking together and praying together through the duration of these series for those things that you submit to us. The other thing that God laid on my heart to do was ask you guys and challenge you guys to tell us, what is it that you need to know more about? 
I, I look at the Bible from so many different perspectives and so many different times during the week, and, and there's nothing that I see that doesn't pop out to me, that I don't feel in my spirit is worthy to be taught to the people. But sometimes people have uh, a longing that maybe an itch that just isn't being scratched. And, and so maybe there's some things that maybe you struggle when you want to know more about. Maybe you don't know more about, understand the, the identity of God as far as the Trinity. Maybe uh, you struggle with the role of the Holy Spirit and how things folk focus in your life. Maybe you struggle with who you are uh, and different things. If there's something that you're struggling with and something that you want to know more about, I want you to figure that out because as we're praying, I want to seek God's face. And as we're getting ready to move through the prayer series, I want to see where God wants to lead us next. Does that kind of make sense for you? So if you guys can help us out with that, and those who are online, leave it in the comments. How can we pray for you? And also leave in the comments, what do, uh, what do you need to hear more about? I'm sure by the end of this, uh, Deacon Felix will create a link that he will put in the comments for the digital form for those of you guys who are online so that you can follow on with that as well. But for now, we're talking about who am I? We're talking about who am I? And this is a, a whole message centered and wrapped up around understanding the value of identity. Understand the value of identity. Me and my wife just went on a cruise with, with our kids, and this is um, it's a great time. It was a great break. It was amazing. We took our uh, passports and our IDs, and these are the things that let us get on the ship. These are the things that let us get on the cruise, and these are things that we had to be responsible for holding dear to because when you get to another country, you can't get back on that boat unless you have your credentials. Your credentials is your identification who you are. Not only that, but when they get you on the ship, they give you this little card. You don't need your debit cards. You don't need anything else. This card pays for everything. It acts as your room key. This card is your identity. When you get off the ship, they scan it, a picture of you pops up. And so this card is very important. You lose it, becomes problematic. And so we were on the ship, and in true facet, the only person that lost theirs was my wonderful son, Isaiah. <laughs> and so he, he loses his card, and he doesn't want his father to be mad, and so he doesn't tell me initially, but I kept noticing that he keeps knocking on the door to get in the room. And I'm in the bed. I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. I don't want to move. And I, I yell at him. I say, Isaiah, get, use your own key. And he finally tells me, Dad, I lost it. And so we had to go down to guest services. I had to, my wife had to validate who he was, and they got him another key mate, only to come back to the room and find that his key was hot, hidden up under his blanket in his bed. But without that ID, he couldn't get into his camps. He couldn't buy things that he wanted to buy because he did not have that ID. His identity is very important. Pastor, why are you stressing this to him? Because our identities as individuals are very important. Believe it or not, our identities, who we are, how we see ourselves, how we carry ourselves, is what gets us access and also allows us to, be, to exit out of different environments in our lives. Y'all know what I'm saying. Come on, help me understand this, and, and I'll help you understand it. This is what I'm trying to say. Sometimes to go for a certain job, you have to carry your surf, surf, yourself a certain way. Your identity is being reviewed. And as a result of it, you have to make sure that if you want that manager's position, you have to make sure that your identity aligns with manager quality. Same thing for relationships. If we want a certain thing, we, can, we conduct ourselves a certain way. Uh, y'all young ladies know what it was like when y'all used to try to catch a man. Y'all would go to the club, and y'all would spend all day, get your hair done, your nails done, and get all those fancy tight clothes and everything that y'all wanted just to make sure that somebody saw you, your identity 
What does that identity say? I'm available. Are you interested? That, that, that's what we do. We create our identities. Fellas would do the same. We would wash our cars. We would actually take a bath that day, get a haircut, all these type of things because we wanted to be identified as someone worth being with. Our identities matter. And so as a result of it, we have to understand the value of protecting our identity. The problem is, catch this, that many of us, this is the problem that with identity, is that many of us develop our identities from the wrong environments. That is the biggest mistake with many of us as believers, as human beings, we develop our identities from the wrong environments. We allow social media to speak into our identity. We allow uh, our friends and our family to speak into our identity. I'm going to be honest. Some of us, the church can be the wrong environment. We allow the church to speak into our identity, to tell us what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, who is and who, not, who is not acceptable. I, I remember there was a time where I couldn't stand and preach the gospel if I wasn't in a three-piece suit. But now we're in a culture where, hey, it doesn't matter if you're in a three-piece or if you're in jeans and t-shirt, if you got earrings on, if you don't have earrings on, uh, the gospel is the gospel. And the gospel is designed to reach all type of people in, t in all type of environments. And so sometimes we allow the wrong places to create an identity of who we are. And this can be very problematic in our lives. Uh, Jesus challenges Simon Peter in this text to confirm his identity. That's one of the greatest things that I love about this biblical text. He, he sees an opportunity to educate Simon Peter. And what I want to do today is I want to take us in this message, uh, in this particular passage of Scripture, and I want, us to help, I want to help you not only see Jesus' identity and how he views identity, but I want to unlock the power of your identity. I want to unlock the power of your identity. I want to see God set you free from things that you've been through, from things that people have said about you. And I want you to see how this plays out in Scripture. And so just to give you a, a background of the text, I know some of you have heard me read it, but maybe you didn't catch on to it. Jesus is in a position where he's asking a general question. And the first general question that he asks is, who do people say that I am? And they answer and say, well, some people say that you are John the Baptist. Some people say that you're Elijah, uh, Jeremiah. They give all these representations for who people say you are. And then Jesus asked this unique question. He asked this question, and he says, who do you say that I am? And I love what Simon Peter does. Simon Peter wastes no time, and he declares that you are the Christ, that you are the Messiah. There are two groups of answers in this biblical text, but I believe that we are able to uncover three identities within this text. And I believe that God has three unique identities that each of us need to tap into and understand because the way that you view yourself and the way that you view God um, has a direct impact on the results that you receive. That's what I want to talk about today. How do we receive the best results and how do we align with the right identity? One of the first identities that I believe that we see within the text, and I like to call this identity the they say identity. That's the very first identity that is brought to terms in this text. How do we say that this is the very first identity? When Jesus asked the question uh, in verse 13, uh, he says, he's asking his disciples, who do people 
say that the Son of Man is? I want to make sure that you catch something initially. Um, he, number one is the audience that he's addressing it to, which is the disciples. These are people who have walked with him. The audience that he's addressing it about is people. These are people who are not walking with him, who don't see him, who have, who have just heard of him. And then I want to make sure that you understand uh, what the question is making reference to. He asks, who do they say the Son of Man is? Notice the difference between his question initially in verse 14 versus his question, uh, verse 13 versus his question in verse 15. First question, who do people say the Son of Man is? And then what he does is he makes verse 15 a little bit more personal, and he says, who do you say that I am? The audience that he's requesting the answer from is the same. The identity comes from different places. And not only that, but the reference to the identity is different. People who don't actually know him only view him as the son of man. But the disciples who have been walking with him have the opportunity to view him as the son of God. What does this suggest? My identity should be different based off of the relationships that I have with people. My identity, the way I view myself, should be different. And so the first identity that Jesus speaks to is the they say identity. What do they say I am? And this is the thing that sticks out to me. What they say is all wrong. Some say you are Jeremiah. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you have all of these some says. But everything that they say is Wrong. Who do they say the Son of Man is? This is the thing that I want to make sure that you understand. Big fact, a they say identity is a foolish identity. I need you to really receive that and understand that. A they say identity is a foolish identity. Pastor Chris, what are you, what are you saying here? When we base our, our identity off of what they say, we are being foolish in every way possible because they don't know you. They don't know you. And they are so quick to put their mouths on you just because of their own opinion from the perspective that they are in. They says can bring you down. The biggest problem with many of us as believers is that we are aligning ourselves with the they say. They say I should dress like this. They say I should talk like this. They say that we should be like this. And as a result of us being what they say, all we end up doing is creating a bigger problem for ourselves. This is one of my next points that rolls with. Foolish identities are designed for failure. Anytime you build your life off of what they say, you are being foolish. You're creating a foolish identity. And that foolish identity is nothing but a recipe for failure. When you go to social media and they tell you what you're supposed to look like, that's a recipe for failure. When you sit around and you're watching everybody else's relationship from the outside in and you're thinking that you have all the answers because of what they say, that's a recipe for failure. Can I help you understand something? You are not they. You are not they, and the worst thing that you can do is allow them, they, to speak into your life. 
Because when they speak into your life, I want to get you to receive this. This hurt me as a pastor, as a father. And I'm, I might lose some of y'all if y'all think I'm perfect because I'm going to reveal something to you on the day. But when they speak into your life, oftentimes what they're doing is perfecting, projecting their own reviews, views of themselves on you. Y'all don't get it. Okay. This is a transparent moment. Transparent. If I lose you, I, I, I wasn't meant to keep you because I'm not perfect. Um, I was having a conversation as God laid this on my heart and I was preparing this message. I was having a conversation um, and I thought about Isaiah. I thought about my son. Um, and sometimes Isaiah comes in my room when I've had a long day and I've been tired. And sometimes I'm not even tired. I'm just, if I can be honest, just not feeling that well. Just mentally drained. Maybe a little bit depressed. I'm just laying across my bed and Isaiah comes and he's in a happy mood. And he comes into the room, Daddy, Daddy, uh, can we go outside and do this? And I tell him no. And he comes back, well, Daddy, Daddy, uh, I just want to go play. And can you come play with me? Can you go throw the football with me? I want to get my skills ready. And I say no. And he might come back one more time after letting me rest a little bit and you're asking. And the inner part of me will, will come out and I will tell Isaiah, Isaiah, you don't care about nobody but yourself. You're being selfish. You won't let me rest. The Holy Spirit arrested me because all Isaiah wanted to do was spend time with his father. So the question is, the things that I said, is it really aligned with his identity? This is it going to hurt? Or my identity? Mm, this hurt me. I was laying in the bed and I thought to myself, maybe it's me that don't care about nobody else but themselves. Maybe it's me because I just want to take my time that I am projecting the way that I view myself upon someone else. This is the problem here. This is the problem. When you take on someone else's opinion of you, you take on their pain too. Isaiah would walk in the room and he would have so much energy, he would be so happy. But at the mumble of my words, when he began to internalize them and embrace them, maybe I don't care. Maybe I am a bother. Then he begins to question his own identity. How many times have you spent questioning your own identity because you woke up thinking you were one thing and then people said, no, you got to be something else. People tried to put you in a box because they were in a box. They wanted to limit your growth because they were limited, because they couldn't think outside of the box. The reason why Jesus says, who do they say I am? When people have not experienced the fullness of who God is, it's impossible for them to define who he is. This is why when we sing those songs and we declare that so many doors you open, so many ways you make, some of us just can't sing that. Because it brings things back to remembrance. That God, I remembered when you were a way maker. I remembered when you were a provider. I remember the things that you have done in my life. And so as a result of it, I have to hold on to those things. But they would say, oh, you did that all on your own. No, 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 no. You wasn't with me when I was crying tears and I didn't think I was going to make it. We cannot take on the identity of they sayers. It will always cause you to move towards failure. Yeah. 
The reason why so often, and I, and I thank God for who we are now as Believer City, one of the biggest struggles in our ministry earlier on is that we built it off of what they say we could do. I couldn't go to a conference without trying to hear what they say. What, what do I need to do next? What's the next trick? How do I need to build my outreach? What's the next gimmick? Who's the next person I need to bring on staff? What do they say? They didn't tell me to start the church. So why am I listening to what they say? When did their opinion begin to trump God's opinion? When did their definition begin to overpower God's definition? And you got to look at your own life and ask yourself, when did what they say really begin to matter? Why does it have so much weight in my life? Why do I wake up wondering how they're going to feel about what I do and what I don't do? They don't have to go to sleep with you at night. What they say should matter. This is why I believe Jesus goes on and asks the second question. Because he identifies that what they say is all wrong. And so Jesus goes to verse 15 and he asks this unique question. He says to them, but who do you say I am? Because it's one thing for them to have an opinion, but I really need to know what's your opinion of who I am. Where am I supposed to be in life? And the one thing that I understand about this is number one is the first identity is the they say identity. The second identity that I need you to realize is the I say identity. The I say identity is twofold. The I say identity is twofold and it can be very problematic because catch this, Jesus is asking a question. Simon Peter answered the question and he answered the question correctly and he says, that uh, you are the Messiah, that you are the Christ. However, I want to make sure that you understand something. Simon is answering now from a unique perspective because he's actually walked with Christ. Can I help you remember that Simon had a relationship? He had an encounter before he actually walked with Christ. And so his opinion of who he is depends on where he's at. If we step back and we look at Simon Peter, the fisherman, that toiled all night long and caught nothing and that had just finished cleaning his net and Jesus decides to step his happy self in his boat and ask Simon Peter, can you push me out a little bit from the deep? At that point, Simon Peter could have said, you a nuisance. You a problem. You're using me for what I have. Because of his situation, and this is what I want to stress to you. I want to make sure that you understand this is a big issue. Our perspective is often influenced by our current experience. Our perspective of who God is is often influenced by our current experience. Simon Peter in the text is a different person than Simon Peter when he encountered Jesus. He's a totally different individual. And as a result of it, his answer is different. The reason why this is so important is because... Oftentimes, what many of us struggle to understand with the I say identity is I say identity is totally built off of faith. I want to make sure that I get this right. And this is what I wrote in my biblical text. I said, I say identity is a faith identity. Why do I say this? Because when you move on a faith identity, catch this, uh, it's not about who you are, but it's all about who I want you to be. 
That's what an I say identity is. It's all about who I want you to be. I, I want you to be the answer to my problems. I want you to be the next best thing. I, I, I want you. And, and it's things that we enter in expecting greatness out of. When Simon Peter encounters this I say identity, who he says that he is in the original form, when he meets them and he asks to use the boat, he's just hoping he can have a better day than he's ever had before. I remember when I, I met my wife in middle school, and I was the prophet of the time back then. And I said to her she was going to be my wife. Didn't know what I was talking about, shooting the best game I got. Didn't know the Lord was just going to hold me to it. You put it out there in the atmosphere. But I saw something in her. And as a result of it, I entered that relationship hoping that something would come from it. I say, many of us enter relationships and we define the relationship. I define what the church is. I define what my marriage is. I define what uh, my friendships is. And again, it goes back to the problem with that is your definition is predicated off of your current experiences. In other words, some of us are hurting right now. And so we have no problem seeking help. But the minute that we get back on our feet, we don't need help anymore. Because the identity of who you were in my life was only built off of what I need. What I need in that moment. And so some of us, forgot, with God, we struggle because of the, the issue is that when we look at God, we only look at him for what we need him for in that moment. Why is your relationship with God momentary relationships? When will your momentary relationships turn into a permanent relationship with God? And many of us struggle with that is because our relationship with God, it's not a problem that it starts this way, but most of our relationship with God ends with faith. It's not a problem that your relationship starts with faith. The problem is that if it ends with faith. Why? Because some of us struggle to maintain faith. This is why I believe, catch this, that a faith identity is designed for flutters. A foolish identity is designed for failure, but a faith identity is designed for flutters. What does that mean? We up, we down. We're up, we down. This is why I believe the Bible says, the just shall live by what? Faith. We, we move from faith to what? Faith. Because some of us, the only thing that keeps us together is just believing that God will. Believing that God will. Will. These type of people, they get caught up in what they're going through. It bothers them. I hate to talk about my wife, but I got to talk about her. I love you, baby. Don't hold this against me. Uh, we were on this cruise, right? And my wife has this, I don't know, she's just a perfect person. She's just a perfect person. And so she plans everything out. It irritates me. When I'm ready to get off the cruise, let's go. Let's get off the ship. Let's get out of here. I don't care. As long as we got IDs, we're good to go. I'm good. They can pay with the phone now. Let, let's get out. But she like meticulously make sure everything is in line, the money's in the bag, and such and such, and such and such. She had her first, I don't even know what to call it, meltdown, failure, whatever she wants to equate it to on this personal cruise. She had, she had put $250 in a, a, okay, $247 and some change, whatever it was. 
Uh, she ain't going to let me get that $3 in there. One for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But she, the $247 she had in, in, in a Ziploc bag. And this is so it didn't get wet when we were in the ocean so that we can buy stuff. And everything was good until it was time for us to get back on the ship. It's time for us to get back on the ship. And like Deacon Larry, she's a tea head. She sees somebody with some tea. And she's like, oh, where did you get that tea from? And she wants to get some tea from these people. And so she buys this $3 tea, pulls the bag out to buy a $3 tea. I wasn't with her when she got the tea. I didn't understand what happened. I was sitting there waiting to get back on the ship. In the meantime, I remember that Isaiah wanted some candy. We're in the duty-free shop. There's candy everywhere. And I'm like, babe, can we buy Isaiah some candy? He stayed on the ship. Let's get him some candy. And we began to look for candy. She begins to go through the bag. Put stuff in. Takes it back out again like that's going to change something. Shaking stuff out. There's no bag to be found. Now, y'all heard stories about how they leave people on these cruise ships. And you ain't back in time. Now, we cutting it real close. Four minutes till. We are literally the last minute, the people that's supposed to be getting on this ship. They are waiting on us to get on this ship. This woman of mine, be like Adam, this woman you gave me. She begins to run back and trace her steps. She begins to run back and try to trace her steps to find this $247 that she left in the bag. Madison is there tripping. Daddy, they're going to leave us, Daddy. Daddy, they told us we had to be back on the ship, Daddy. You know it's bad when your child wants to pray. Daddy say, Daddy, can we just pray? I say, yeah, let's pray right now. We prayed, and, and me and Maddie went to the door, and we got close to the ship because I wanted to make sure they saw us. <laughs> and I'm sitting here internalizing, trying to figure out what I'm going to do because I got one kid on the boat, one kid here with me. I think the best solution is for me to get on the boat, and I'll make sure to fly you back where you need to come because you decided to go and pursue that which you, you lost. It's problematic because it was gone. I sat there and I told her before she decided to take off running. I said, let it go. Let it go. It's no big deal. And she sat there like, no, I can't sleep. And literally... She finally made it back. We get on the ship, and there's, I can just tell, I don't even need to talk to her right now. Because she's not at peace. Her identity is affected. Literally, she's speaking to herself and saying, I don't do stuff like this. I don't do stuff like this. And then I try to rationale it for her. I said, Well, maybe the Lord just wanted to use you to be a blessing in somebody's life. Just let it go. Let it go. And she was like, I don't want to talk about Jesus right now. Ain't got nothing to do with Jesus. What just happened? Her identity was affected because it was built off of what she says. Even though it may not have been God's desire for her to bless, even though I believe that all things work together for the good of those that love God, I believe that somebody found that that really needed that. I honestly do believe that. But at that moment, it didn't matter that I'm saying, but he says it's okay. 
Because all she's worried about is what I say is okay. Let's bring it back home. The reason why some of us are in broken relationships on jobs that we hate is because we have said what's okay. We have said what I need and what I don't need. And we have not rested in what he has said is okay. It didn't matter how much what I was speaking to her, how much I was not mad. It didn't even matter that I paid for the candy with my phone and had moved on. She was willing to be left behind <laughs> because she was focused on what I say should happen. I'm sorry, baby. I had to preach. I had to preach. When are we going to stop wasting our time and our life by what building our life on what I say? What I say my marriage should look like. What I say my finances should look like. What I say my friends should look like. And embrace the fact of what God says. Because the reality is, her identity in that form was based off of what she was currently going through. She came in the room talking about, baby, my knee hurt because I was running. I ain't say it then because I knew I had to stay in the room with her, but I wanted to tell her, it's your fault. Because I told you, you didn't have to go back. Y'all going to catch that later. There's some things that you go and complain to God about. Oh, this is hurting. It's your fault. I never told you to go there. You pursued that which you, had, you thought was right. And as a result of you pursuing what you thought was right, this is what you have left. What would have happened on that day when Simon Peter caught all that fishing? He would have said, well, your only role in my life was to bless me right now. When Jesus' real role was to make him a fisher of men, to make many things happen, to give him real purpose. And many, and many times we misdiagnose who people are. Mm because of what we're currently going through. There's a series I hadn't even taught yet about relationships, that uh, the five relationships that's in my spirit, and, and I'm just waiting for the right time to release it, and it talks about the relationships that we have in our lives from strangers um, to associates to friends to, no, strangers, yeah, to associates to friends to um, companions, family, and then companions. Five, five different relationships. And it talks about, and the series is talking about how some of us, we are calling friends, we're calling acquaintances friends. And we're mad because they are not acting like a friend should act. We're upset because we have given our phone number to this strange man or woman and we want to treat them like a companion. And when they break your heart, when you find out that they married or they didn't manipulate, you gave them rights to companionship to us. What do we teach our children? Stranger what? Danger. But as adults, it goes totally out the window. He was, he was, he was a stranger yesterday, but now he's out on Instagram. He my boo. Two weeks later, he became your enemy. All because of the fact that you gave the wrong role to the wrong person. Because you made him what I say he is. You made the church what you say it is. 
And so many of us, like my wife running and hurting her knee, many of us experience a lot of unnecessary hurt because of the wrong relationships we get into with the identity that I say. Simon Peter does not respond to Jesus' identity as it relates to what he could have said about who Jesus is. He changes and he moves forward because he understands that I don't want my identity of who Christ is just to be a flutter. I want it to be more than just faith. And this is what I love in his response, and that he says that you are the Messiah. You are the Christ. This is so important. Don't miss this because this response is celebrated by Jesus. This response is celebrated by Jesus. And this is what I believe happens. We transition from the they say to the I say to the now is what he says. He says, this is very powerful, because in verse 15 he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, uh, you are the son of Christ. You are the Messiah in the New Living Translation, the son of the living God. Catch this, verse 17. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon, for Jonah. Because what? Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. The identity that he has about God is not wrapped up in what they say. It's not wrapped up in what I say. It's all wrapped up into what he says. Y'all ain't getting it. Y'all get this in a minute. They say is a foolish identity of God. If you build your relationship on God on what they say, it's very problematic. It's very problematic because nine times out of ten, they will be wrong. If you build your relationship off of you personally, what I say God is, it's a faith build, it's a faith identity, but the problem is that it's only going to flutter because it's only about what you need him to be in that moment. Only about what you're crying out to me. But when you build your identity on what he says God is, it finalizes everything. It stabilizes everything. And so Jesus celebrates that because he understands that why he, when he says it's a he say identity, this is what he's saying. It's built off of not my faith, but my faithfulness. It is all about being faithful and understanding God's faithfulness. Simon Peter's relationship with Jesus has changed because he's seen him turn water into wine. He's seen him recover sight to the blind. He's seen him heal the lame. He's seen him make ways out of no ways. He's seen him turn over the temple. He's seen all of these things happen. And now that he's seen it, he can properly define it. You are the Messiah. When do we as believers transition from just believing God for and believe in God because? When do we get to a point that we can say, you know what, I'm not just believing God for something, but I'm believing God because of something. I'm believing God because of the things that he's done, because of the ways that he's made, because of the, the doors that he's opened. This is what I want to make sure that you understand. A faithful identity, catch this, is designed to create a force. It is designed to create a force of nature that changes things. It makes things happen, Pastor. Why can you say this? Look at Jesus' response in verse 18. Jesus' response says this, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock 
I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. It will not prevail against it. Because of his acceptance of the identity of who God really is in his life, God releases something supernatural to happen in his life. Theologians argue every day, was Jesus speaking literally or was he just speaking suggestively because of the, the uh, play on Peter's name representing rock? But the reality is, I don't care if he was speaking to Peter saying, upon you, the rock I will build, because on Acts chapter 2, we see that it does happen. The church is actually formed by Peter standing up and speaking his word. Or, or, if, he's making, or if he's speaking to just the truth of the fact that the word of God is the rock. Either one is right in this text. And God builds it, but he builds it off of what? The truth. He builds it off the truth of the identity. Pastor, why is this so important? Why is this something that we should understand? Because the identity of you doesn't matter. Your I identity of you don't matter. The best identity that you can hold on to you is his identity of you. His identity of you. His identity of you is, is the final say-so. It is the stamp of approval. His identity of your marriage. His identity of your finances. His identity of your health. His identity is what really matters. But many of us are so focused on they and I that we never get to his. They identity keeps making us fail. Our identity takes us in and out of love with God. But his identity is what allows us to hold fast in the midst of things that's going on. This is where we have to get to as believers. This is where we have to get to as believers. Why? Because when we get to this point in our lives, things are unlocked. Things are unlocked. Simon elevates from being just a follower now to being commissioned, to being ordained as a leader. Simon, you're ready for me to do something with you. You're ready for me to make some things happen. What if God is waiting on you to get to the point where you're just faithful in your fellowship? Where whether he's doing something for you or if he's not doing anything for you, you're just satisfied with who God is. And because of it, he can just keep opening doors. He can just keep making things happen for you. Because you know who he is. What if God came in? What if God came in and asked you today, who am I? What would be your response? Would your response built off of, be built off of what Grandma said? Would your response be built off of what you're currently going through? I just need you to get me out of this situation, God. I need you to, to make a way. Or would your, be, your response be off the fact of this God you are, just simply who you are? When I began to stop in my own relationship trying to make my wife what they say wife should be, when I began to stop trying to make my wife what I think a wife should be, and I just began to focus on, God, what do you say a wife should be? You said that she's my helpmate. That means that she's not my enemy. God, you've declared 
that she is my helpmate. That means that we're on the same team. God, you declared that she is my helpmate. That means that without her, I'm helpless. When I took on God's definition of her, her value changed in my life. It, it transitioned me from looking down to now looking up. To knowing that sometimes she has, it was, it was so crazy because we had a conversation and I sat down and I talked to her and I had a revelation about my role or, or something I was supposed to be doing and she looked at me and she said, I'm glad God gave it to you without me having to say something because I don't want to be the enemy. How could I ever project upon you something that God hadn't created for you? I have to always embrace her identity as who God has created us. What in your life are you not embracing as it relates to his identity? Your job, it gets on your nerves, but what does he say about it? Those kids that get on your nerves, but what, what do he say about it? That financial thing that you're steady stressing about, but what does he say about it? Because the key to the freedom to enter into your future is basing it off of what he says. Jesus says to Simon Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. But my Father who is in heaven, when are you going to allow God to define the things in your life? The world will tell you that you're failing, but God will tell you that you're just beginning to flourish. The world will tell you that you're lonely, but God will tell you, girl, you're the most loved, or boy, you're the most loved individual in the world. The world will tell you that you're hopeless. But God will say, I have you in unique situations just to show them how much hope you have. The dangerous identities that we can walk away with is being who they say we should be, being who we say we should be, versus being who he says we should be. Your marriage, your parenting, your financials, even this church, all of it should be built off of what he says it should be. And you know what I imagine happens when one of us comes in line with what he says it should be? I believe Jesus is like, blessed. Blessed are you, Brittany. Blessed are you, Maurice. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. But this revelation comes from my Father. And he begins to give you access to that next chapter. That next thing that you can walk into. When I began to see this, I thought, 
God, how many doors am I standing at that are closed? That it's not because I don't have a key. It's not because you don't want to let me in. But maybe I just haven't accepted who I am so that I can walk into that door. You know, the beautiful thing about those Carnival cruise ships, you get those keys. And although they all look the same, they only work for your door. The only person that has a master key for every door is the people who have access to every door. But when there are unique doors that are just designed for you, your key only works for that door. They gave us our keys before we got on the ship, right? They gave us our keys before we got on the ship, but they had a they told us you cannot go in your rooms until 1:30. I was still cleaning the rooms. Me, I wanted to be a hardhead and I wanted to put my bags in my room. I wanted to put my bags in my room. <laughs> and um, I'm, I'm opening doors that are closed. And, and these are doors that normally we wouldn't have to touch because they would already be open and they, they are heavy. They're ship doors and they're heavy. And I'm, I'm opening them as I'm opening them. I'm sneaking and I'm looking if anybody's around the corner. And, uh, and I'm, I'm just dragging them out. Y'all, come on, come on, come on. And we, we keep going. I get to my room and I want to get in my room but the key that they gave me won't give me access to this room the number is right the key is right but catch this the timing ain't right it's not my time to enter that room and so as a result of it, I had to wait till somebody who had access let me in. Had to let them look at me crazy like, you don't supposed to be down here. But I want to get in because it was not my timing. Can I get you to be who God wants you to be in this time? Can I get you to walk in what God wants you to do in this timing? Because the door won't open until he's ready for it to open. Whatever it is that you're looking for, whatever it is that you're trying to make happen, it will not open until he's ready for it to open. You have to go home and you have to ask yourself, who do I say he is? And who do I want him to be to me? Can I pray with you? Father God, I thank you for these amazing people. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your favor. I thank you for revealing your identity, but also helping us to embrace our identity. Understanding that we don't have to be who they say we should be. That we should not get wrapped up in our own thoughts of who we think we should be, but we need to allow everything about us to be defined by who you say it should be. You are the creator. And so, God, right now, speak clarity into our lives. Where there has been confusion and conflict, we ask you for clarity and confirmation. Release us from these broken identities that are leading us to destruction. And God, build us, strengthen us to be faithful followers Christ, so that we can share your glory in every way, in every place.
This is my prayer in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Listen, if you're here today and you have not